You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show, recording live in the Old City District, downtown Batuta. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and of course, Errol Parker, editor-at-large. How are you, Errol? Good to be back out west, and it's good to have a guest from down south up here too that's not going to scare the living daylights out of the locals here. Well, he's not from that far south. He's a Sydney lad, musician, singer, songwriter, cultural critic. Well, the people from New South Wales have only been allowed up here in Queensland for a few days. Yeah, I know. So we're lucky to get him, but he and his band are about to go on tour. We're talking with Johnny Talk from the DMA. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. Clancy, Errol, it's good to be in uh, Queensland. It's good to have you up here, mate. Now, you are about to embark on what many people thought wasn't possible, providing Victorians do what they're told and stay down south. I guess New South Wales can get hold of this, you know, what looks to be a new uh, cluster of uh, coronavirus cases. You are about to go on a tour in the backdrop of uh, no live music around Australia. Who would have thought? We're probably one of the first bands to start touring again, you know, Um, obviously since the virus has happened. So who knows? Like you said, there's clusters popping up. So who knows if they're going to go ahead, but we're going to do our best. So tell us a little bit about how this happens. They're, they've been described as intimate shows. So, I mean, you've done Splendour in the Grass before. You've done football stadiums in, in overseas. You've done all kinds of stuff. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be... Well, yeah, as, as you said, the word intimate, it's, gonna, it's not going to be as intimate as in a sweaty mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. But it's going to be intimate as in smaller amount of yeah, people yeah, in the yeah, room. Because yeah, yeah. we're obviously, you know, we're following the, the guidelines yeah, and, yeah. and the appropriate so, COVID rules. So it's one, one per four square. Yep, so it's basically a private function thereabouts in the eyes of the law yeah but uh, we could fit a few more people in there, i think if we called it a religious experience oh right? yeah you could <laughs> you should just play a bit of get the, that face melting hillsong solo on guitar maybe Johnny. the opener <laughs> switch foot <laughs> well how big do you reckon like the, the largest indoor venue is in this country what's that what that would be the uh, that big arena in sydney or the horden or yeah, what's the big or, or the bi- that or that one outside um, of stadiums in Melbourne? Oh, okay, no, nah, that's got the roof on it because it has yeah. to be it. Like, there's a Superdome. Yeah, that's, but that's not the biggest. So, say r- roughly what's that? That'd be four thousand square meters. You could fit a thousand people in there, not touching each other. Yeah. yeah. So the factories, I think, even because it can have the curtain, so it can be at different okay, sizes. In Sydney, you're going to do. Yeah, h- how are you going to do it? You're going to do one. Obviously, people space out a little bit. What's the, what's the top number you can get in there? 150? So 150, yeah. And I think the normal capacity is maybe 800. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that so it's quite... like a sixth, mm. I think. Yeah. And no standing at the bar. No. Table service? <laughs> no, no dancing. Definitely no, no. no dancing. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You just sit there and listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I went down to, uh, to Angonia to have a beer down there on the weekend. It was my first beer in New South Wales in, shit, I don't know, six weeks. And you weren't allowed to have a drink at the bar. And if you've ever been to that pub at Angonia, there's not that much room to sit down. So they had us all out the front on milk crates. So I hope it's not that intimate. (laughs) No, no, no. How many nights are you doing? That's... Okay, so we started with six shows. 
which was three nights and two shows a night, but now it's ridiculously gone up to 18, <laughs> which is, like, comical. It's getting a bit silly. <laughs> that, that, that's a tour, though. You're working. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except it's kind of good because you can just stay set up for six shows in a row. So usually you guys would do Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, maybe Perth, Adelaide, and maybe maybe one or two shows in, in the big capitals like Melbourne or, or Sydney. That's just, but that's just one show per city. Now, you, now you're actually getting those same um, numbers. Well, we worked it out. Yeah. I think it was, I think the 18 shows is 2,700 tickets, which is pretty much an M more, bit yeah. bigger than an M more. <laughs> Except you got to do it 18 times, not, not once. Which is, it's fine for me when I'm yeah. just strumming a few chords, but yeah. when you're the singer, yeah, when yeah. you're Tommy, yeah, yeah, yeah bit of a rough gig yeah yeah and then they so can you tell us a little bit about life on the road um pre-corona how do you guys go on tour we go pretty good Mm -hmm. um so we're a six-piece live Mm -hmm. the three guys um liam hoskins tom crandall's and joel flyger um they're all made mates of ours Mm -hmm. so it's not like we just you know called up some random session guys and Mm -hmm. blah 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 so we're all still we're all friends and like that and all our crew are amazing and the first few years were pretty pretty insane, not having a lot of money. Um, we realised we were travelling around Europe and UK pretty illegally for the f- first couple of years because <laughs> there's um, you're not the the amount of weight that you're meant to have in your in the splitter or sprinter van or whatever they're called. If you, if you have gear and people in there, it well exceeds <laughs> the limit for the barge. Yeah, <laughs> and also actually in Europe, if you if you say you're on the autobahn and you want to do a piss, yeah, apparently there's a rule where you have to put on a high vis vest. Oh really? Yeah, that wasn't happening yeah, no, on the early that tours. That wasn't happening. And hop out and have a piss on the side of the autobahn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah no high vis. Yeah, you guys yeah. are doing it in the dark, drunk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Porsche going past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> freezing. Actually, Tommy, Tommy went for a piss. I think one time. Like on something like the Autobahn or something, he was he was pretty wasted, and he lo- and he lost his phone. All right, oh. and we get this call like, or like some or someone contacts. I don't know how it even happened. I, like it's ridiculous because like, and we got a call and like some some German person yeah, yeah, has just, found his phone. They're very polite people. Yeah, I know, but like in the middle of nowhere on the side of the Autobahn. <laughs> it's like, what? And he somehow got it back. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you could lose your phone at, the, at a pub uh, and no one would say a thing in Australia. <laughs> uh, moving forward, this, is, this tour is promoting new album called The Glow. Uh, you've just released it this year. How long did this one take? Because you guys have um, obviously, as you say, you step it up. Now you've got six on tour. You're a six-piece on stage. You've got a lot. I mean, there's a lot more people involved in the process, I imagine, nowadays. Do you do you bring in any hired guns with some of your stuff nowadays? Well, because the guys I mentioned before have been in the band for mm-hmm. um, so long now, it was really important. Well, Tom's the bass player and the drummer Liam have played on mm-hmm. every record. Joel played on the last one, but... We wanted to. We wanted them to be all over this one, you know. And yeah. we've have become quite a playing the amount of gigs we've played in that unit. It's become a really, you know, a really tight force, but also um, such a big part of our of our livelihood and 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 who we are and all that kind of stuff. So it was important that everyone played. So last record was the first time we kind of used the producer it was Kim Moyes from the presets yep. um, but we still kind of even recorded some of our own guitars we had the recording studio above the Lady Hampshire yep. 
so we recorded some um, stuff there. So this was the first time I guess everything we'd recorded was in a big studio, and whether that was with Scott Horscroft up at the Grove or with Stuart Price at we went to Rack Studios in London and we went to Westlake Studios in LA. And Stuart's done like like New Order, Madonna, The Killers, yeah. Pet Shop Boys, and like. Uh, for us moving into a more we were incorporating you know we've always been a, a guitar driven band and so we were incorporating more like uh, sequences and um, synths and drum machines and stuff like that and his electronic background was pretty amazing to collaborate with someone like that to kind of get this new sound an album over the line and do it legitimately yeah. and make it sound shit hot basically so is the process quicker than basically producing an album in your living room you know well like well yeah because one of the reasons when we did the first album we did lots of the vocals and the guitars um in our apartment or in our own studio is you can spend heaps of time on them and you can be super creative in that way where in when you're in the studio it's like you're paying the money. Yeah. Get the take, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you streamline it as, uh, as much yeah, as you Yeah, but can. at the same time, that pressure's good. Yeah. I reckon that pressure's cool. Like, uh, yeah, doing something creative under pressure, I reckon, is kind of cool. Like, you know, weird stuff comes out in a good way. I've heard that um, is the case with a lot of people in Hollywood who work on uh, Clint Eastwood films that he's directing because, you know, the, the obviously the studio will designate this amount of time and you know people are going to get paid for that that amount of time for your big hollywood films are used to like real uh kind of perfectionist directors but apparently um clint eastwood's just a one-take guy so it's like got it good let's move oh, so pe- wow. people are knocking off at midday on his sets like yeah, yeah, yeah. And they love it they just you know you fly somewhere for fly to south africa and film a film with with Clint Eastwood and you're basically on holidays because all he needs is that one take. He doesn't give a shit. Well, is- if, if, but if you're, if you're that person, and I guess like a director or is kind of like the producer mm. in the music sense. I know yeah. it's, it's not yeah. like the producer of a show is like the, it's different. Yeah. For example, uh, we've got a song called Hello Girlfriend on the new album. Mm. I'm pretty sure Tommy did it in his second take. Yeah, right. And, and if you're that kind of producer, you've got the ear to go. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Let's move on. Time yeah. is precious. Yeah. yeah, because you always hear those those big yarns about how a band has recorded like 40 takes of one song and then the producer goes back and says the first one was the best. 100%. 100%. Or you'd be like the Eagles and spend a million dollars making Hotel California and yeah. spend a year on it or something and do a tremendous amount of coke. <laughs> but you can't make records like that these days. <laughs> Do you, um, do you find that, uh, say, the Grove, there's that place that a lot of Australian recording artists go to, it's tucked away up in the hinterland, Central Coast. You know, what, what's the vibe there? Because you know that some of the greatest albums have ever been recorded there. I guess it's just like a little experience. You, you know, every, every band that's been there has had to live in this town where... I mean, I remember hearing that they had one kind of Italian takeaway place. Every musician's eaten at that place in the Yeah, I think it's um, it's called Hungry Wolves. Yeah, which is funny because like like the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hungry like the What what is it like? That that sounds a bit more tedious than than being on the road with the band, staying in staying in a place for a week recording. You know. Well, um, actually, during lockdown, I was up there co-producing. So Scott, who um, Horsecroft, mm. who produced Silver and um, Round and Around off off this new record, I was just working with him on Haley Mary's new album. Yeah. So that three weeks in lockdown, we were 
we were up at the Grove and it's just so beautiful there, yeah. you know, and it's like no better way to spend lockdown when no one's doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's kind of like I've worked. I'm, so like in the future, I want to be a producer. That's eventually, yeah. you know, where I'm heading for. It's definitely different. I think I've tried to work out like I love being in the studio and recording and writing and like like I feel amazing in that mm-hmm. in that element. But at the same time, it's like I think if I had like 20% touring and yeah. 80% in the studio, that would be ideal for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, because you need that. You need that. Uh, there's something like, especially now in, like during Corona, you realize how important that part of your life is as much yeah. as you can whinge about the 200 hours of flights you've done yeah, each yeah. year from here yeah. in the UK and all yeah. that stuff. But it's a big part of our life and it's a big part of all musicians' livelihood. Yeah. And you, especially these days when you don't make any money off goddamn off Nap- goddamn yeah. Napster yeah <laughs> <laughs> the LimeWire yeah. have you found that you've come up with a song on stage in front of you know have you ever come up with anything on stage and, and later recorded it yeah we do it a bit in sound checks yeah right right okay so I'm a massive Bruce Springsteen fan mm-hmm. and um, I just learnt racing in the street on guitar or whatever mm-hmm. the, the week oh, before because right. you're, not, you're yeah. not playing your songs in soundcheck yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you're, doing yeah, a, yeah. you're doing a full blown cover shot <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that's man. right you, know, yeah. you try and get creative they're like give me a bit of guitar and like, you're like what, what have I got up my sleeve do, right? do, 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like or then sometimes you hit the the, um, the tritone conversation and everyone's just playing tritones you know which were which were banned back in the 1800s yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that like the devil's the devil's interval um, which which is uh is probably the worst part of it but anyway there's that part so i was that playing um you know racing the street and then tommy just started singing a melody over and like that became time and money which is a song off our last record right and then another time like mace we're in germany i think again mason uh kind of like a little bit tongue-in-cheek just uh um oh mason can i get some you know because he's got backing vocals as well oh, can i get some guitar and vocals and He's like, no matter how hard I try. And then started playing this cover of Shares Believe. And then Tommy walked on stage and right. started singing the chorus. And we're like, wow, that actually sounds pretty good. If we have yeah. to do a cover, we should do that. Which, right. Is that how that came up? Yeah, that's how that came yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. Was that the first one you took to Richard King's Mill? Like, like, no, no, we took like seven, yeah, seven tracks. Yeah, because <laughs> I've heard that you can't just go there and tell him what you want to do. You've got to be like all right we've got eight to choose from and he's just and, and, and he was like that one yeah this one hits sure, the, this one hits the nostalgia button this one's a little bit off brand for us you kind of got to find he was right that time because yeah. it's it, like it's it's still going up by hundreds of thousands a week that cover on youtube i mean it's still going well yeah that was a weird moment yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's our biggest song. Well, well, I think there's a lot of elements to it. I mean, the, the you know, this scrappy little kind of Adelaide-looking guys drinking, uh, not drinking, but you may you may as well have had a long neck in your hand, you know, and then you were singing Sure, and Tommy's chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, the visual, and, and his voice, like, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the visual's kind of, I think it's disturbing for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, What's going on here? Yeah, it's like, it's just like... Is this cursor? Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? But like, the the gums a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he he performs that way. Yeah, I, I spoke about this in the interview the other day. Actually, it's um, I'm to Tommy's left when we're playing on stage, and and just in front of the drum kit, he's got a um, he's got two cups, and one's like full of gum, 
an unchewed piece of chewed. There's another one that's full of all the all the chewed pieces oh, that, he's, so that he's gone through. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like halfway through, like having this amazing moment, like playing this beautiful song. And I just turn around, kind of just see this the cup of like, chewed gum. Yeah, I'm like, know, something's not right about. It. But it keeps these. Um, it keeps your um, vocals yeah. lubricated. Yeah, right. Right. Personally, I'm 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 hanging out for a uh, Killing Heidi cover. By the, oh, that's uh, a good the one. DMAs, Weir. Wouldn't that be good? That would be cool. <laughs> shout you out know, to Ella. Yeah, shout out to Kingsmill. Get it, get it going, mate. Has you know moments like that pivoted? You know your sound. I guess you know trying something different. How how does this album compare to the last ones? I know that's a very cliche question, but ha- have you gone down a different avenue with this as opposed to where you were at last time around? Yeah, the co- the cover thing with the Believe cover. That's just like a, that's just the freak of the internet kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah. Like, you you don't think about too much. I was playing the wrong wrong bloody chords two yeah. hours before, yeah, you know, because yeah. we only yeah. ran through it once, and then th- you play it once, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden it's on the internet, and, and it's out of your control. You to play it at Splendor, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know. But um, in terms of like this record, and uh, I, I guess we've always loved production. Mm. It's been a big thing for us, and also we've. Ne- with DMAs are associated as a kind of throwback 90s kind of Britpop mm. kind of thing which is cool because I think I feel like 2014 when we came you know people say music is timing in more ways than one and there wasn't really a band many bands in Australia mm. kind of doing that thing at the yeah. time so I guess we kind of got lucky yeah. in that regard but at the same time you know as creatives you've got to keep moving you've got to yeah. keep trying something different and it's I always bring this up I, I think it's on the Paul Kelly documentary he talks about growing up in the public eye mm. and and it really like resonated with me when he said that he's like totally it's it's fucking daunting yeah, yeah you know yeah. and it's like yeah. you're releasing these albums you're and you're you're learning you're just yeah. you're kind of winging it yeah, and just sure. trying to get better at songwriting and production and you know you buy your first synthesizer after just being guitar driven for so long and mm. you know and you're just trying to get your head around it and then you release an album and it's just like and then it's just there to be judged, which is cool, yeah. which is a great part of it, but it's, it's scary. You know? And you guys were pretty young when you started too. I guess Mason said that last time. It's like like he's always been big for just music, just just we're musicians. Like we're not, you know, and orchids. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, obviously he loves his plants, his indoor plants. He does. I think he's got an ice cream plant. He's, <laughs> he's rocking there. He loves his bunnies, rabbitos too. Um, but uh, the yeah, the idea, he said, like you know, there's no cause at that age you know you're not going to become you know you look at someone like um, Missy Higgins or you know the, the guys from Friends of Rom who were able you know later in their career to um, have a cause or have a charity or, yeah. you know and you kind of you don't want to just say anything outside of music when, when you are growing up in the public eye I guess it's just you guys can follow my musical journey and uh, find out what kind of bloke I am later well yeah <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know I guess I guess like with that kind of thing as well as you get older you start working and you have life experiences especially like just just in my own just from traveling and the mm. people you, you meet and like that you're still learning what kind of person you are yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I, I don't think you ever stop learning mm. have you have you made many friends in the industry or you kind of keep keep circles outside i'm pretty like i don't mind a chat i don't mind i don't mind i don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't mind that yeah i like going to festivals and meeting yeah, yeah. people um yeah. Like uh, I've uh, met those the guys from uh, there's an English band called the Coral. They're really lovely. Um, we had this band Inhaler support us, who was this Irish band, uh, who are really nice lads. Uh, obviously, 
um, Liam Gallagher's um, had us on tour and came down to our, our show at the Brixton Academy. And I think those situations, they're always cool when they're like, when they're not forced, you yeah. know? And obviously like, actually, if, if you talk about the whole Australian industry mm. and everyone's actually really lovely yeah. because if you're a fuckwit, you get found out yeah. really quickly, yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. I suppose it's um, a very small industry in this country, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. you know? And um, <laughs> I've started doing awesome. songwriting yeah. um, sessions recently yeah. and that's been really cool because yeah. I've just been uh, being able to meet um, heaps of artists, you know, that are kind of big, but you nece- haven't necessarily listened to heaps of their stuff or really known them as a person, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, and yeah, that's been, I've really been loving that actually recently. Tell us a little bit about that that pivot into producing. You worked a bit on Haley Mary's album. Can you see yourself kind of, you know, transitioning into that Dr. Dre kind of, uh, you know, stand behind the panel? <laughs> Have but, your own headphone line. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just them. nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tunes Tooks, by Tooks. Tooks. Yeah, tunes by Took. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. Um, well, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. And like, that's kind of why I got into the electronic music thing and mm-hmm. I guess that kind of steered mm-hmm. this direction of DMAs is because you know I grew up on kind of like folky country stuff but like but then obviously on the line with like you know Dylan, Neil Young and like Joni Mitchell and mm-hmm. stuff like that and then obviously in, and then in my high school years got more into the Britpop scene and you know Primal Screen, um, uh, Oasis, Stone Roses um, the Jesus and Mary chain and then I went through this like weird huge bluegrass thing where, <laughs> where I became obsessed with bluegrass music I learned the Dobro and yeah. the Bill Munro and Earl Scruggs and stuff like that <laughs> and then um, it basically I kept changing and I realised I had no idea kind of how they were creating these because there's no rules with electronic music yeah. you can literally do anything yeah. and a lot of it's to do with sampling just whack sounds that you're creating mm. yeah and, which i didn't know at the time i'm like how do you do this like how do you make something sound like that and that's kind of where i started on that journey because um to be a producer you know i know I, if i wanted to do a, a rock album or a jangly kind of noisy record i could or um or even a country album you know but i wanted to learn that side of things so yeah in the future i can incorporate mm. you know yeah you, like a lot of people do talk about the Britpop thing with the DMAs obviously it's influenced and, and well received by those audiences and those crowds and those bands over there but that's like the unsung kind of secret is that two of you are the sons of Poms right yeah that's true yeah, yeah. that's true so you're 10 pound Poms Tommy and I have British passports, so when we land, we go, yeah. we go straight through. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Mason's <laughs> off the back. Oh, man. <laughs> Mason and Lee's about drummer. Right? With the tattoos getting, yeah, well, yeah. getting looked at. When we're waiting for him for a few hours, he gets put in the naughty corner. We call it. But I guess one of the benefits of Brexit for us is that we can use their line now, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that we couldn't use the British line. Nah, not, not traditionally. Or the EU line. But yeah, yeah, yeah but like a couple... A now couple years waving. ago, we were at the back of the... Uh, True. At the back of the scrap line. Yeah, now they're uh, waving Canada- Canadians and Australians through in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so do you think Do you think there's a bit of that? I mean, Tommy's old man's a scouser, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's played like... Um, he played even played for Everton. Yeah, right. Like back in the day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A real Brit. Like. Yeah, 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 super. My, my old man came over when he was 11. Yeah, right. I think he was on the last... 
last plane trip. Yeah. Or like, oh, not last plane trip, sorry, last plane trip with a propeller plane. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was like, and they had to stop like six times. <laughs> um, Stopping yeah. Mauritius. Yeah. And then he yeah. and he moved to, he went to Elizabeth in South Australia. Yeah. Which is well, that was the same path Barnsley and that lot went to. He went to he went to school with Barnsley. And stuff. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. And your old man was ACDC too. He, yeah. he ended up working in the industry too, right? He did. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was a um, he was a roadie, a lighting engineer, mm. and he did like cold chisel and in excess and Neil Young and yeah. That was a good time for a lot of for the for those Adelaide kids, wasn't it? Like they really put the place on the map before yeah. the, before the hilltops, of course. Yeah, that, that chisel kind of thing. There was a heap of stuff coming out of there. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, like, at the time, they were kind of like, you know, chisel were like the biggest band in the country. Well, like, you know, mm. yeah, and just selling out everywhere in, in, in Australia. It's just, like, insane. Would you ever go solo or is it more <laughs> producer? Well, my voice kind of stinks. Yeah, right. It's all right. Like, um, I've done a... I've actually done a tra- track recently... Um, uh, it kind of works if I sing in like a punky way yeah. like almost uh-huh. screaming over like yeah. which I've been mucking around with over like more techno kind of dance yeah, yeah. music and just like <laughs> yeah I want to go yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. it works in that right but um, but the, th- the thing is is when I met Tommy it's amazing as a songwriter and Mason and I talk about this all the time it's it's amazing for us as songwriters to give a song you've written and Tommy's an amazing songwriter in his own right like some of the melodies he writes it's incredible yeah you know um, but to have one of your songs sung by him it sounds better than your song you ever <laughs> could have imagined your yeah. song sounding which yeah. is which is incredible well, that's part yeah. of being in a band right it's just everyone's doing their job yeah and a lot of people find it hard to give that away yeah right you know it's a really personal thing for them and that's and each to their own on that but um but for me, it's like I'm I'm the opposite. I'm, you know, I can sing, but it's definitely not my thing. I, I learned how to sing when I was younger, just purely to communicate with other musicians yeah, right. on ideas. But I, it was never something I wanted to focus on. But like I said, and then you get Tommy to sing one of your songs, and it's like it can resonate with people on just a whole other level. A lot of listeners, you know... Um, people who aren't aren't so involved with music or whatever and or or just love it in a whole different way but aren't you know musicians or something like that having a a voice like that communicating your song if they heard me sing it it would not have the same meaning yeah all of a sudden like you know you have a voice like that sing it and it's like just can become the soundtrack of their life yeah 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 you find some of those songs penetrate like that you find some people that are like well now i'm obsessed with the dmas for the rest of my life do you, do you find those kind of people out on the road? Like not not yeah, the stalkers, yeah. but the fans. Well, like. yeah, we, we well we, I guess that those early days of touring. Yeah. Um, and we went to just all these tiny towns in UK that we'd never heard of, yeah. particularly, uh, has really built us up a really loyal fan base yeah. over there. But yeah, if they heard me singing, in the air, they it wouldn't be as beautiful. <laughs> they when they were, I don't think they'd like it as much. Yeah, yeah. If this Corona lockdown keeps on going would this be the longest time you've, you've spent off the road since basically to 2014 100 percent. yeah it feels kind of weird actually mm. i think we to be honest i think we needed to stop mm. even yeah. though like if corona didn't happen Your label wanted you to keep moving well yeah <laughs> <laughs> back to england boys <laughs> yeah it's all good just wear masks just wear masks yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time we're flying business class so but it's all good this, yeah. the thing is you, you kind of ha- if you want to if, 
if you want to keep moving mm. as a band like that and you're driven in that way, mm. you kind of have to keep backing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also people's attention span with social media is so short these days. I know mine is. Like, it's, yeah. I'm just yeah. like, you know, you kind of got to keep reminding people that you're around and you're doing stuff and playing yeah, yeah, gigs yeah. And, 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 and all that kind of um, thing, you know, and it's a part of it. But you know what? You hear lots of people talking about, you know, it's, it's great that conversations like mental health and whatever yeah. is so much more common these days yeah. because uh, that level of touring and being away from people, it's actually, it can, in, it's can, insane. Can do, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're being given three cases of beer and four bottles of wine and yeah. two bottles of vodka every night. It's the only <laughs> industry where you're expected to be drunk on the job. And for, and, and in fact, it, it, it's preferred but, by the venue that you are. But these, but these, but these, but these days... Uh, once again, with the with the conversation of it, there's so many more musicians who don't drink anymore yeah, and yeah. don't feel the need that they, yeah. Yeah. you know, because I guess like back in the day, it was like, well, how am I going to get up on stage in front of 5,000 people without yeah. a couple of drinks under my belt, mm. you know? But I guess um, it, once again, even just talking about it has kind of killed that stigma a little yeah. bit. I'm not stigma, I'm that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. also back in the day, the, the big thing, you know, the money for nothing kind of attitude the die straights attitude a lot of that was focused around the fact that these young blokes were making more money than they ever could have but nowadays yeah yeah, like coal miners make more money than musicians a lot of the time and they party harder that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) footballers you know they're the ones who they are yeah so you guys have just you guys have got a job and that's kind of how it's more being viewed nowadays yeah as opposed to a lifestyle Yeah, yeah exactly but I tell you what after playing an electrifying gig, mm. it's pretty hard n- not to want to party yeah, yeah, yeah. or decompress in some kind yeah. of way. Or, or after a shit gig to, <laughs> oh, yeah, to, yeah. to drown the sorrows a little, yeah. I even, yeah, I'm lucky because even when I forget chords, my hand just goes into the, <laughs> goes to the next chord anyway, oh, like right. just muscle yeah. memory. Oh, right. I'm like, I like, sometimes I've had a mind block, but like, and then my hand just goes, oh, that was sweet. <laughs> Thinking about old Simpsons episodes up there, just yeah, playing yeah. it naturally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, that's why that's, <laughs> yeah, we've got a joke there, like how, um, our drummer Lee's bows, just like listening to like podcasts and shit during the gig. Like, those idiots, they're not even like, they're not even plugged into like the fallbacks. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think was the most electrifying gig so far? I'm sure there's been plenty. Uh, yeah, there's been a bunch. Um, like Splendor two years ago, mm. we had our like first kind of sunset slot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah. Um, we played that Believe cover, which we've only played two or three times. Yeah. That was kind of like, you know, 30,000 people in that amphitheater. Yeah, Splendor's yeah. actually was meant to be this weekend. Actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah, and that, that, that was insane. Yeah. And then also, I guess that last one the at the Brixton yeah. Academy. Yeah. Because yeah. that venue, it's a bit of a bucket list thing. It's yeah. like 5,000 people, London. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the end mall, but they're all on top of each like other. Forum, too. 5, like it's all, it's yeah. Like it. Yeah. yeah. You get um, you get vertigo and stuff when you're in there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sunset is an interesting one. I remember hearing CM Murphy, um, who was the manager of NXS, talking about it, and he reckons that's what put them on the map, was that, that sunset at Wembley. Because it's the energy changes. People are officially, you know, it's been a lazy day at a festival, sitting on the grass listening to Wolf Mother, yep. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now there's a rock band on stage. Yeah, yeah. and also what, one thing I learned from that, yeah. It's like when the sun goes down, you can have a light show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which oh, yeah. pushes yeah, yeah. everything to the next level. 
Yeah. Especially when people are getting a bit blurry and yeah, like the yeah, lights yeah. start flashing. And <laughs> Confetti, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and that's another reason why we wanted to move more into like, I guess like the dancier mm-hmm. and have a few tunes like, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, so our set, we could become more three-dimensional. Yeah, rather yeah. Than, we, you know, we've got the rock and roll tunes, we've got some, you know, acoustic-driven sing-alongs or whatever, but mm-hmm. having a few dance tunes in the set is like... And we got to play them, you know, we played Life is a Game of Changing and stuff, and there's a new song, Cobra Cane, off the globe, which I can't wait to do live. It's a bit like this darker kind of ravio kind yeah, of yeah. vibe, and to play that, you know, mm. just yeah. make the outro go for like three or four minutes or something like that and like with the lights flashing it's like yeah it's definitely a big part of it have you thought a little bit more about the sound you're making now do you feel like that is for the same audience or do you reckon this is going to kind of translate into other kind of like um have have they seen this kind of stuff before in america for example is and has your stuff translated in america i I reckon there's a few tunes like we're already seeing like stuff popping up on twitter and Mm. more love from like america and Mm. north america yeah well, sorry, North America in general, yeah, like yeah. Canada and stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is cool because we haven't been back there since our first EP. Like incorporating these other elements to the band and to the music is, I don't think we're going to lose our old school DMAs fans, yeah. but we de- we can definitely make it more accessible to yeah, other people yeah, who sure. maybe yeah. wouldn't have just jumped on onto yeah, yeah. the band at, um, at first. Cast a wider net. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you can have songs like, you know, off these new, off the new record, that people discover it and realize they like it, and then it's. I, I know I've done it with bands heaps of times. Mm. You just hear one song, and that's enough for you to go back and. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think our first album just went back into the top 100 of the iTunes charts or something like that, just because of <laughs> yeah. this record coming out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And people totally do and that. everyone goes back. Yeah. Throwback. Yeah. I remember doing that with the the War on Drugs when I yeah. first heard them, just going all the way back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just like anyone who discovers Bruce, it's like, ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 1979, <laughs> yeah. The River. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah, he kind of loses me in the 80s for a bit. But he comes back in the 90s with a vengeance. Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I was bruised and battered. I didn't care. Maybe I wish do a little. We'll do a little thing a bit later. We'll get the guitar out and all. As long as it's Bruce. Yeah. Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska. Good album. No, The Wrestler. That, the Wrestler was his most recent one. He did the soundtrack for that Mickey Rourke film. Yeah. That's good stuff. It was good. There's a question we often ask people. Do you, do you have, have any surprise fan bases? Because the, the fun, obviously the funniest one is the way Chili has responded to Sticky Fingers and how they just can't leave them. Come to Chile, come to Chile, come. And then eventually and they, they go to Chile. They, fuck, they just like, come back to Chile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, They did it for the fuck of it. Oh, we're not getting many gigs here. We'll go to Chile, right? Uh, and that's their audience. Silverchair had a similar thing in Argentina. Like, yeah. have you found any surprise audiences? Oh, yeah. Um, let me think. I think, like, I guess uh, Holland yeah, right. has been one. Yeah. The Dutch have a pretty quirky, like, taste. Mm. And stuff. We've done some weird um, interviews you know like what does dma stand for like dolls massive asses and we're like what like with this, with this weird sense of humor, humor. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, i don't know no. yeah you got us yeah yeah, yeah. oh actually one time actually at one of those dutch um <laughs> dutch interviews we were like uh we did, you know we love a corny kind of you know 90s early 2000s cover um and we did a cover of uh atomic kittens um tight as high uh, no, what was the other one? Um, 
Looking back on when oh, we yeah, first met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, that's oh, yeah, a, yeah. That'd be a good one by you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's somewhere on YouTube. We are the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you make me whole again. Whole again. You yeah, make me whole again. Yeah, yeah. And um, actually, I'd like to do that cover again. Actually, <laughs> so, um, that's probably been one of my favorite. Anyway, so we're playing it, and, and they've got these screens there, and um, and basically, yeah, they're like. We're, we're getting feedback like people are tweeting and they've got these big screen there and they're like people are like what the hell is this you know like this corny pop song like you know like, yeah. like jesus and they're like, like this is I'm heartbreaking next. stuff and like i've still got live the, feedback, i still got yeah. the verse two and that, the, that, the chorus to go yeah. that could that could you guys could just keep baiting them up next we've got a bit of aqua yeah <laughs> well we've done aqua as well yeah. <laughs> if only i could turn that's back. right uh, Barbie girl, fuck it, give yeah, me Barbie yeah, girl. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so you, uh, yeah, you, you're ready to put in probably some some bigger hours than most musicians in the country now. You've got yeah. the backing. You, I mean, you've done a bit of a media run. We, you were on the Footy Show, oh not the Footy Show, the Matty John Show, and yeah. all over the show, the real Footy Show. Yeah, the real Footy Show, and that's. Uh, it seems like the labels gassing this one up. They reckon, yeah, it's just, you felt the, the full warm hug of. Of uh, of the you know your um, your corporate uh, you know employers. Well, I guess that's what you got to do. <laughs> what yeah. you got to do yeah. when you spend that much yeah. money on a shit hot producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, but also like they must back the product. You it, know, I think the thing is as well is you know we've been a band for a while, mm-hmm. and it's like you know it takes a while to build up mm-hmm. you know that audience and all that stuff and. And I guess this sound as well now yeah. is it's definitely the most accessible sound. So yeah, they've yeah. Th- they thought you know why not let's go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you must have um, been lucky as well throughout this whole journey having a dad that's been a roadie, you know, and, and done all that kind of stuff and can call people other bands that he's kind of toured with has that kind of helped because we, we interviewed those five seconds of summer kids and i gotta tell you no one they has signed a were, worse fucking deal than them they, they were, were the definition oh, yeah. of the, the most burnt out looking human beings and they're I've only like seen. 23 and and we don't know how much money they're making i don't think they know how much money they're making because no, i guess like we're more of goes, a product you know goes, what i mean like, goes, yeah the, there was one guy from that band who was like man as long as i get out of this and i've got enough to buy my mama home you, you know I'll be happy and it's like what the what fucking deal are you on <laughs> how many fucking records have you sold how many shows have they, you done well they just sold out Wembley the week before he yeah. said that and he's like I just want to buy my mum a home I was like what the yeah. on paper it looks like you should have bought her by 10 by now yeah like, yeah yeah and uh, yeah it just it didn't yeah it doesn't doesn't work out that way for them and maybe, maybe they're about to change uh, maybe they have maybe. an opportunity it was a four album deal they were saying but yeah, it, that must have helped too. Having a dad that was wise to the tricks in the industry. Well, yeah, yeah. It was he. He was great for like just kind of. He had a huge CD collection. Mm-hmm. Got me into guitar mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But he never like. He was never you know calling people yeah. up try, trying to you know he. It was important for him that yeah. we had to work work hard and find our own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, which is cool now because people, um, other musicians call him up now going. Hey, yeah, you know, right. Oh, I, I see Johnny's doing well and yeah, all that right, kind right, of stuff, right. which is which is probably nice. He wasn't telling you to tell Gadinsky go get fucked. You know, we're well, gonna, I'm pretty sure him and Gadinsky had a fight back in the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but now we're on the same team. Yeah. Now, now we're all best mates. It's yeah, in their best interest that they get along with 
Gidinski. He fought every. He fought every <laughs> one in the seventies. and the, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. It, the, the same old people are still involved, though, aren't they? So yeah, um, and we love Gidinski, man. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's been there. Yeah. He's backed us since the start, and mm. and it's um and it's cool now that you know there's more momentum happening. Yep. You know. Yeah, for sure. It's well, good, man, it's lots a- of beer. Yeah. In the morning. <laughs> Good man. In the car. <laughs> in the boat. Nah. Yeah, thanks for joining us, uh, Johnny. It looks yeah. like it looks like an exciting year. Busy year for you. And uh, hopefully more bands can get out on the road soon. So your shows start in Sydney on the 30th? That's right. And then we're going to be up here in Brisbane. Yep. Uh, for four shows, we're going to play the Tivoli. Yep. Which is bigger than the factory. Yeah, right. So I think we can get 230... Yeah, um, people in there, which is cool, and I love that venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful venue. Up I, on the hill. I there. went and saw the footy show there. <laughs> <laughs> back when Chief was there, yeah, I went back, so it, right in the RNA showgrounds. It's a good venue. Does that bring back the Biffy? Oh yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Reg, all that yeah. Mario Falcon. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of the Falcon, it's great to have another Maltese Falcon on the podcast. Thank I'll, you for joining. I'm, actually, you're talking about um, <laughs> passports before and like Brexit happening. Yeah. I was like. Well, there goes my European, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. leeway. But I think I found out I can get my Maltese passport yeah, now. Sure. Yeah, because my guess. brother's getting it, and once once one sibling gets it, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I think it's a bit easier for everyone. And guess else. what? You don't have to do in Malta if you don't want to <laughs> pay tax. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good to yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I can make some money out of music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope hopefully, um, yeah, the tour works out well for you, and um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure everyone's going to be turning out uh, either way because. Uh, everyone's dying to see a gig. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Johnny.